At American Public University, we believe higher education is not one size fits all. That's why we offer 200 modern programs that build on your knowledge and fit your schedule. Because we believe universities should adapt to the needs of students, not the other way around. American Public University, within reach, without limits. Online classes start every month. Learn more at AmericanPublicU.com. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Oh man, so much to do today. So much to do. Now look. Uh, it's a unique show today. Uh, as you know, the life of the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts, is never a simple one. Uh, this week, uh, I'm spending most of the week in Montreal, part of the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival, uh, as I'm doing uh, the radio show with Jim Norton here. We're talking to a ton of comics. Uh, here's what I'm going to do, okay? I am going to do something special. Because I'm up in Montreal, I don't have my Nazium studio with me. It's not a portable studio. It's an actual studio, which means it's a little tar- harder to pull off everything that I normally get to pull off. So this week, I'm going to give you guys a taste of some of what you get as a member of the Nazium Wrestling Patreon. Patreon.com slash Wrestling. The Nazium shows get bonus shows every single month. It's only 4 bucks a month to get access to all the audio bonus shows. But one of the concepts for the audio bonus shows is captive audience, where I sit down with somebody in my life, more often than not it's my wife, and I make her or him watch uh, a great wrestling show that's available on the WWE Network so you guys can watch along as I try to explain to this person why what we're watching is so awesome, put things into as much context as I can put them into, and they explain to me what it looks like they're seeing right in front of their face. It's always a great time, and people really enjoy it. So this week, here on the podcast, I'm going to play for you uh, when I uh, had my wife sit down with me and watch the first episode of Monday Night Raw. Now, up here in Montreal, there are certainly plenty of wrestling fans at the Comedy Festival. So, everybody is super busy. Should I get any additional interviews? I know Dan Soder's up here. I know the Lucas Brothers are up here. Should I get any? I think Ron Funches is going to be up here. I just don't know when he's coming up here. Should I get any additional interviews with comedians that like wrestling? I will post them on this podcast feed as bonus shows for everyone. Okay? So if I get any additional content, I will post it. But in the meantime, we will do a captive audience this week. We have a big state of wrestling where I want to cover uh, AEW's TV. I want to cover Raw Reunion. I want to cover uh, what SummerSlam is looking like. I want to cover it all. So we're going to get into all of it, and we're going to do it right now. Uh, We're going to start it with this week's interview. Technically, it's my wife and I, and you can watch along. Go ahead and turn on your WWE Network and turn on the first episode of Monday Night Raw. This week's interview segment is yours truly, talking to my wife about the first episode and watching the first episode of WWE Monday Night Raw. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. We're watching uh, 
our 14 month old or 15 month old at this point yeah. in the baby monitors. He uh, is supposed to be going to sleep and he's now, it looks like bouncing himself on the back of his head he's like as he, rolling. Cl- he climbs, he's climbing, he's climbing his crib with his feet while he plants the back of his head down on the crib. So, but that's to say he's doing fine. Like the bridge pose. Exactly. Yoga. Exactly. Well, he's watched you. That's probably what it is. Yeah. He's watched you do this so many times. He does know how to do downward dog. Exactly. So, so do you. That's how we got him. Oh. So, what I wanted to tell oh. you was, <laughs> uh, we're going off the beaten path a little bit this week, and instead of doing a pay-per-view... I wanted to show you the first episode of Monday Night Raw. One of the cooler things I oh, think cool. about the network is that they have all the old TV. Like I, I literally, I mean, only this was only years ago. This was maybe four, five years ago when they released the Raw. They released a box set of like the twenty-five best episodes of Raw in the full form. And you might remember me. Like it was really tough to find. I was kind of going crazy yeah, looking for the I box do set. This. I was calling Best Buys and yeah. trying to find it. Yeah. Well, at that point, I mean, I was literally texting WWE publicists going like, hey, do you think they'd ever release all the Raws on DVD? And like, you know. Wait, does the world know that you, until maybe like yesterday, recorded and burned yeah, I every mean, single episode? I, I hope at this point people generally know uh, that I was a prolific tape trader. And that, yes, that went forward into. No, but it wasn't tape trading. You were just doing it for yourself. Well, that's what I mean. And after, I knew you. well, after, yeah, no, no, after tape trading, after high school and everything. Yeah. When technology improved, that's when, yeah, for a long time. I mean, up until. I mean, literally until like we moved. Probably until like 2010 or so. No, longer. Longer, you longer, think? Longer, longer, for sure, babe. I At was, least until 2014. I was running a DVR into a DVD recorder. Mm-hmm. So I would DVR every episode of WWE. And TNA for a while, too. Yep. And record it onto DVDs just so I have. So I still have all the binders. Like, I have binders and binders. You still binders have the binders here? Somewhere. Man. And, um, and Probably in the attic. The That makes sense. The DVR would be full. Full. At, yeah. like, 80, you know, 93% or something like that. And I would be like, oh, babe, I'd really love to tape my show. And I was like, yeah, I got you a Hulu subscription. Yeah. If you don't get the DVR as well. I was well. not allowed to tape anything. So one of the coolest things I think about the network is all the TV that's now being added to the show. So they have every Raw and they keep updating, but all the Raws are up there. They just put out uh, the first year of Sunday Night Heat. They just put out the, uh, the first year of WCW Saturday Night. Um, and and I love watching this stuff. So I thought we would start going through. And, like, the pay-per-views have always been available. There was home video. Then it was DVD. But the TV shows, it was always tougher to find unless you were like me and VHS taped and then DVD recorded every single episode. Yeah. Um, but I thought we'd start watching some of these TV episodes, some of the more important TV episodes that I kind of thought it'd be fun to get your take on. I think that's a really fun idea. And this— So, I'm sorry. Tell go me. ahead. No, no, no. Go uh, ahead. Uh, it says forty-five. So is this the is this the pilot episode of Raw? So Monday this Raw? it's number forty-five for the year nineteen ninety-three. You can see it's Raw one Today we'll be watching the very first episode of Monday Night Raw from January eleventh, nineteen ninety-three. So cool from the Manhattan Center. I watched this on USA on television when it came out. That's so cool. It was Monday nights at nine o'clock, and we're gonna start this. So go over to Monday Night Raw. Uh, re- raw replays on the network. Go back to 1993. 
hit raw 01 and uh as always we're gonna start it but officially we're gonna sync up after whatever ads play the tv 14 thing plays so uh you can get you can go ahead and get your uh network ready as we get our wwe network ready and uh and get ready to watch along and i will tell you when exactly we're starting again we go through whatever ads because they change the ads all the time so that's why i don't start with like the tvpg screen or whatever once the show show starts and we are synced up now okay so there's your shot that is manhattan you may not know this jess but the first episode of monday night raw and the first many episodes of monday night raw aired live from the Manhattan Center. That's so cool. We've we, been there. It's the small room yeah. above the Hammerstein. Yeah, yeah. That's literally like, and that's Sean Mooney on TV. There's Bobby the Brain Heenan. Now, Bobby the Brain Heenan, this show was replacing primetime wrestling on the USA Network. Oh. Um, and Bobby Heenan had ho- been one of the hosts of primetime wrestling for many years. He oh, and wow. Gorilla Monsoon had really been the famous host, but he also did it with Roddy Piper at one point. They changed the format to a round table involving like... Uh, Hillbilly Jim and Hacksaw Jim Duggan, but Bobby Heenan was a staple. Now, what Bobby Heenan is being told right before, and this is this is also the first time that WWF at the time is live. Their TV shows were not live ever. What they would basically do is they'd go to a building, an, an arena. They Remember that building in Poughkeepsie where we saw NXT? Sure, yes. Like the Mid-Hudson Civic Center there in Poughkeepsie. They would run that building for TV all the time, but they would literally tape a month of syndicated shows in one shot, and they were an hour each. This was the first time. So there you go. You're at the Manhattan Center. It's the first time. You can see the producer there. So what were they telling the guy out front? Hey, your show's Watch show. You see the producer there in the the white shirt trying to get everybody going? Yeah. So there's your commentary team. Uncut, uncooked, and uncensored. It's Monday Night Raw. It's live for the first time. That's Vince McMahon. That's the Macho Man Randy Savage. Wow, that's your commentary team. And Rob Bartlett, the Rob Bartlett that you know Are from you radio. Me? Rob Bartlett was brought in. So what? Hey, what, shout out to Rob Bartlett. We love you. Well, you may not want to say that on this podcast. I oh. do love Rob Bartlett, but he lasted 13 weeks and has gone oh. down as the worst WWE commentator of all time. So it wasn't a good fit. I mean, universally voted. <laughs> so. Uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan was being told that he was not a part of the commentary team for Raw. He was being told, you're not allowed in the building, Bobby. You're not allowed in the building. Oh. And uh, and Rob Bartlett was taking his place. This is Coco Beware. He's coming right off of his high-energy tag team with Owen Hart. That's why he's dressed like that. But he oh, used okay. to carry a parrot to the ring and do uh, all this stuff. So this is a classic match we're looking at. This is the first match. Monday Night Raw has been on... Every week, except for weeks that there was a dog show in the beginning. Every week, consistently, since 1993. That's too much. And by the way, that referee, Mike Chioda, in the ring right there, still a WWE referee. That's pretty awesome. Howard Finkel, the ring announcer, of course, who does the voiceover work for this podcast. And there he is with Master Fuji, the mighty Yokozuna. Uh This is Yokozuna in his prime. Yeah, he looks very young. Yep. We are about two weeks at this point away from the 1993 Royal Rumble. Yokozuna will go on to win the 1993 Royal Rumble. He will then, only a few months after this, at WrestleMania in the end of March of this year, 1993, will go on to beat Bret the Hitman Hart and become the WWF champion, only to lose the title 
to Hulk Hogan in kind of a schmozzy thing. I watched WrestleMania 9 with my dad. So if you want to get our take on WrestleMania 9, there is a captive audience show for WrestleMania 9. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, so there he is. And, you know, and I'd say this is the peak because really when they come up, he had, he had his first pay-per-view match was in November of 92 at Survivor Series. So this is now January of 93. So this character is still building, and you can feel all the energy that's still in the character. We still have the, uh, you know, the the Asian women coming out and presenting the flowers. Mister Fuji has completely changed his appearance, like the the sumo warrior Yokozuna, and there's the salt ceremony. Now Yokozuna is not Japanese in real life. Is he Samoan? He's Samoan. He's he's oh, in the Anawaii family. This is Roman Reigns' cousin or whatever. Oh, that's too much. He's in the same family as, he really as had the to head shrinkers and Roman Reigns and The Rock and oh, that's wow. yeah, that's all He's actually related to them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that uh, is great. That's the Anawaii family. Yeah. But so Rob Bartlett is now at ringside <laughs> and he's doing commentary for this match. And it's unfortunate, you know. It's actually not unfortunate. If you've ever listened to the commentary for this show, you should actually be thankful that we're doing uh, something where you can mute the commentary. Oh, really? Because, so Vince McMahon brought Rob Bartlett in because he was a New York radio personality at this point. There you look at those thighs. Uh, look at how big. And that is, that is, is that not a WWF shot? Oh, my gosh, like, yes. Like that, but that, those little details are the genius of WWE, WWF. That's why this company has maintained the way it has, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. It's the tiny little details in the presentation. Like, every... No expense is spared, and every moment is used to get over how big Yokozuna is. And, you know, Yoko would go on, unfortunately, to gain too much weight. Oh. To the point where he, he just didn't... It was unwell. But right now, he's massive. I mean, bigger than anybody. The, the sumo band makes him look even bigger with that big bow and everything. Yeah, I love it. But he moves amazingly. Like at this moment in his career, he's he's lightning quick. I mean, so was can, he growing up was he wrestling with his family and uh yeah, training? I mean, he had, he was wrestling on the independence uh before this, but nobody knew about him and it was a lot easier in 93, you know, you might find a magazine photo here or there, but it's before the internet is anything. And so you, WWF, WWE... Could decide what his... Well, yeah, they could find a guy like this and completely repackage him to the point where in 1990, the end of 92, when Yokozuna gets introduced to the world, it's like, we've never seen this guy before. Yeah. You know? And there's Coco. How incredible. Coco, getting, giving some air... I mean, he was selling hard for him. Oh my gosh, yeah. I like that he's treating him like a wall. Yeah. Yeah, with those big, bright... I believe those pants are actually the material that uh, the Queen of England suit was made out of for the royal wedding. For the wedding? I think so. Yes. I think I think Coco I Coco and the Queen went Green to the same tailor. That's right. That's right. <laughs> now, Coco... And the Joker. Co yeah, that's right. Look at that. Not moving after a series of drop kicks. Golly. Coco was in a team with uh, Owen... Ha Oof. So... With is Owen Hart as high energy, but, you know, Owen was... Is it, Owen... Gone at this point? No, 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 no. Owen, you know, that was more, boom. I mean, what a guy to do a leg drop. That that team was really a vehicle to do something with Owen. Owen had not yet begun. It would be about oh, a, wow. a year from now that Owen would really start to hit his stride. How long was Coco Beware's, you know... Uh, career? Career, thank you. Well, Coco 
at this point had been wrestling for a while. I mean, Coco had been around since the 80s. You know, and he, he yeah, because I feel like I've heard about him. A ton. Yeah, he was the Birdman, Coco Beware, and he'd come out full of sequins and he'd flap his arms like this is definitely oof. this is definitely later on in his career nondescript Coco. You know what I mean? This is yeah. definitely sort of okay. Coco Beware is a famous name. We're gonna use him to help Owen get over. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, and here oh Yoko going up, and this is his finisher. See, look at the way the ropes just stretch down. It looks so good. Oh, my God. It looks so And this is, boom, bonsai drop. Oh, boy. And, I mean, it's just, he's just awesome. I always. Yeah, but now that you say he's Samoan, it's, I don't see, like, it's all I see. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. (laughs) But they would do all kinds of great vignettes. Like, they did a home video release where um, they would put out a home video every 30 days or so. And it would be full of matches that you would have seen on house shows, but, you know, big main event level matches that you wouldn't see on TV. That's fun. But they would have interstitials in between. Yeah. And, like, one of the one of the big ones was Yoko sitting there and eating, like, pounds and pounds of rice, the way sumo wrestlers do, and just this massive... Do they? Yeah. Oh, boy. Massive thing of rice. So Rob Bartlett is calling the action over there. And Bartlett, uh, he was brought in by Vince McMahon because... He wanted the show to have a New York feel to it, right? And so, and and he wanted Bartlett to be this sort of edgy comedian outsider from New York. This is a commercial we're seeing for the Rumble with Tatanka and IRS and the Nasty Boys. And so that's what Bartlett was brought in to do. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I think that sometimes, and, and this has been a thing that's happened throughout history, when not... If you're going to bring in somebody from outside of the business, they have to be fans. I mean, because this world, there he is. Oh, I was assuming he was a fan. No, he didn't know anything about this stuff. And there's the Raw Girls. That's another uh, oh, so addition. That's, it's, this is the beginning. That's why, I mean, it's, it's so... But this is the beginning of that, like, uncut, uncooked, uncensored edginess. It's, it's just... They're just starting to dabble yeah. in a little bit of edge. It's 9 o'clock at night, Monday night. It's live. Um, but you see, like you can see the New York Post is sitting up there on top of the monitor. Yep. So they're really trying to drive home that we're in New York. And I mean, they're paying a lot of money. I totally understand why that would be a bad fit. To do it. So here's Bobby the Brain Heen, and this is a pre-tape now, and he's promoting the fact that uh, he's going to be debuting a new superstar at the Royal Rumble. We're going to see for the first time Narcissus. Narcissus is coming. I'm sorry. I think it's a pretty bad name. Narcissus. You know who? what Narcissus ended up being? What? The Narcissist. Lex Luger. So the whole time they're billing this, it's like Narcissus. When you see the Narcissus, they, they kept saying Narcissus. Really? And then he comes out and it's Lex Luger, who we know from WCW already at this point. But he's a bad guy. He's full of himself. He's the Narcissist. Lex Luger. So was it a mistake? Or was it a change later? It certainly wasn't a change later. It was either a mistake, like they were just saying it wrong the whole time, or I think history has dictated that they're saying, like, we were just trying, like, that they were trying to lead people astray. They thought it was something named Narcissus, but it's the Narcissus. I think they just said it weird, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It just sounds like a mistake. But so Bartlett didn't know anything about wrestling, and, you know, he would just make asinine points about stuff, make dumb jokes. And the thing about commentary is, even if you are kind of edgy, even the role of the commentary team is to sell, is to put over the stories that are being 
put across in the ring. And yeah. if a guy comes out and is totally unfamiliar with this art form mm-hmm. and this and how you sell this, it's not going to be successful. Uh, yeah, truly. And uh, you know, to these are the Steiner brothers, by the way. To give him a little bit of support, I, it's possible that he may simply not have realized how kind of inane he was acting, like the silly jokes that he's giving. I think he was trying to follow orders. But like, didn't just didn't get that it was bad. He doesn't. Yeah, he. Yeah, just, he didn't know because he doesn't understand the entire world. He doesn't love it. He probably would love it if he was educated about it. Right. But he doesn't have that background. Right. Yeah. I get oh, you that. see, you see in the it's in the audience fit. there. Mm-hmm. There's Doink the Clown running around in the audience. Oh, Doink the Clown. And this was the beginning of Doink the Clown. He just would run around in the audience and do bits and stuff. He hadn't really been fleshed out as a character. This is how they were introducing him. See him. See him oh, running around? Yeah. This, that's the wrestler, Doink the Clown. That's oh, so not he a, would just do bits? He wouldn't uh, he, he, this wrestle? Was, this was not yet. This was just a... Oh, whoa, look at the people. WWE's way of... That's scary. I would be so frightened if there was a wrestler looking like Doink the Clown. Well, he, was a, the, he was a bad guy. He was an evil clown. I would be the most frightened person that ever existed. And I mean, Matt Bourne is the guy who portrayed evil Doink the Clown. Just one, to me... And I know that, like... Doink the Clown kind of gets a bad rep for being pretty, like, ridiculous. And the character did become stupid, you know, once he became a good guy and he was portrayed by somebody else. But Matt Bourne as Doink the Evil Clown is one of my favorite characters of all time. Oh. Like, I mean, he just did so well with it. Now, the Steiner brothers are obviously distracted. They got this match against the Executioners, who I believe here are being portrayed by... Dwayne Gill and Barry Hardy, who are two perennial, uh, oof, enhancement guys. You see the way he fell? Yeah. I so, got his face on the rope. Well, the Steiner brothers uh, were notorious for, oh, not knowing that uh, wrestling has worked. You know oh, what I mean? In gosh. the sense that, so like. They were hard hitters. And- oh, yeah. Yeah. That they would really. And you now that you. Just like Yokozuna and knowing that he's not Japanese is all yeah. you see. Now that you know that these guys just kick the crap out of people, people it's yeah. all you're gonna see oh, boy. like i would imagine there the guy getting sent into the ropes like he actually had momentum like usually when you send somebody into the ropes you, you, you know they're down. you're doing most of the work because you're the one Oof. running yeah but this time it was rick probably just threw him with all his might into those ropes <laughs> that's too much so scott steiner of course would go on to be big papa pump of course scott steiner holla if you hear me holla look at that he oof and you see, like, that felt to me like it wasn't exactly uh, spoken about. It looked like he thought he was actually going to go for a leapfrog. And Rick Steiner legit caught him and just slammed him because it, uh, it wasn't pretty. There's... So this is, this is the first time that they're televising, li- you know, live. Live, live, yeah. The pay-per-views were on TV. Pay-per-views were live, but, but they were on pay-per-view. This Every is the first other time TV show was, live. was like a house match. With the other shows, like I said, you'd either... Uh, They'd be the syndicated shows that were on, like, Fox, like WWF Superstars or WWF Wrestling Challenge. Yeah. And those shows, they would go to a building and they'd tape enough Four matches. Four hours of... Yeah, 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 yeah. And they would put together a month of shows. Gotcha. Or Primetime Wrestling, you know, would be... Which was the show that was on before this on USA on Monday nights. Um, oh, boy. So, question for oh you. Oh, boy. Primetime would be guys, uh, boom, hosting uh, at a desk, and they would throw to matches that were taped in various arenas. Oh, I see. Mm, which feels pretty weak. So, um, well, weak in comparison, but at the time, that, that you know, there, you, you wouldn't you think, had, yeah, right. this idea of live, like it didn't occur to you, right? Because it's just so expensive. 
So my question is about storylines. Are they starting to sow the seeds for some really great storylines now that they're going to be able to be live once a week? Well, yeah. I mean, and that's a that's a great question. They wanted they they began to do things and you see it over there with doink running around you see it here with bobby heenan right i like this okay so what they started doing with (laughs) raw which they had never done before was usually and this is this is uh this is really funny this is rob bartlett's aunt oh and rob rob bartlett's aunt is trying to get in great story uh when they did the raw 25th anniversary yeah no yeah 25th anniversary uh in january yeah um the one oh bobby the brain <laughs> the one that uh you know they did it at the manhattan center and at the barclays center oh yes one of the people who was at the barclays center one of the fans uh came dressed up as bobby heenan in drag i love it you know just to pay homage yeah but what i was saying in terms of storyline is this is really the first time that the WWE is using episodes where storyline will progress throughout the episode of television. It was usually, okay, we're building towards, let's say, Hulk Hogan versus Macho Man. Mm -hmm. So the four weeks of TV will be all about building towards this pay-per-view. Raw, especially these early episodes, was the first time that they started building stories into the episode itself. So this Bobby Heenan story, for example, this is not going to be paid off at a pay-per-view. This is a story just for this episode of TV, oh. which not was not... It's the first time it was done for WWF, for sure. Okay. We'll get back to this captive audience momentarily, but you can hear what I put my wife through, guys. Can you believe this? Making this poor woman, who has bared two of my children making her sit through the first episode of Monday Night Raw like this, and it's barely the first time I've asked her to do something like this. She's had to watch a lot of wrestling for me. And you know what I need to do in return? I need to make sure that she feels not only appreciated, but I need to make sure that she knows that I am attracted to her, that I still find her desirable. I need to show my desire for my wife through physical means. But I work a lot. When I'm not watching wrestling, I'm talking about wrestling. I'm exhausted half the time. And it leaves me with not a lot of confidence. Confidence is key when it comes to showing your wife, my wife. You don't need to show my wife. I'll show my wife. You worry about your partner, okay? But when I'm showing my wife that physically I have a desire for her, I need to be confident that I can pull it off at a moment's notice. That's why I am so happy that my friends at Blue Chew are supporting this week's podcast. Blue Chew, they make it so that you're always ready to go. Look, you can increase your performance and get the extra confidence that you need to be just like the last professional broadcaster in the sack. It's true. Blue Chew, that's blue like the color, brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can do them on an empty stomach, a full stomach, day, night, doesn't matter. And since they're chewable, they'll be up to twice as fast as a pill. That's what I'm trying to tell you. If you're making your, your significant other watch an episode of Monday Night Raw just to show her what's going on, and she goes like, okay, now what have you got for me? Take a blue chew out of your pocket. You don't show her. You hide it in your hand. You slide it over your mouth like you used to eat and like uh, candy in math class. And you just real quick, quick chew it up. And you go, honey, wait till you see what I've got to show you. It won't just be you showing her. 
it'll be Blue Chew showing her exactly how much you appreciate her. That's, well, how do you think I got two kids? How do you think I got two kids? Quite frankly, I may have to thank Blue Chew for my two children being on this planet. I don't know if I could have pulled it off otherwise. I don't know if I could have done it. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. No in-person doctor's visits. No waiting in a pharmacy. No awkwardness. They're made in the USA. And they're cheaper than the pharmacy. It's true. So visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use promo code Roberts, R-O-B-E-R-T-S. We are repopulating the planet here on Not Sam Wrestling. We're doing it on the house. Promo code Roberts at BlueChew.com. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. That's B-L-U-E, Chew.com. Promo code Roberts to try it for free. Enjoy and enjoy the rest of this captive audience. Um, So this, of course, Razor Ramon, Scott Hall. Uh, Razor Ramon also only been in WWF at the time. Uh, under a year, he showed up in '92. He is getting ready. He's still a bad guy, not the bad guy, a bad guy. Um, and he's getting ready for a match with Bret the Hitman Hart. He's going to be uh, challenging for the WWF Championship at the Royal Rumble in a couple weeks. So that's what Vince McMahon is getting to the bottom of. But we're also in an era where this was enough for TV. You'd get a star of the caliber of Razor Ramon, and he wouldn't have a match. He would just do an interview in the ring, and it was enough. You know what I mean? Really? Putting like it was almost like that's how you made him feel like a star by not having him wrestle every week. Yeah, you know, I think that that holds water. Not anymore because you got three hour shows. Then they it's kind of to tough to yeah yeah. Got but, I see what you're saying. But you know, but although for storytelling purposes, yeah. And Brock Lesnar is the biggest star there is. He fights the least. Yes. Um. So of course, Razor Ramon. Do you know this character? Of course. Take off on uh, Tony Montana. Oh sure. But here's the funny thing. Yeah. Scott Hall pitches this character. I think Vince named him. But he pitches this character of, uh, you know, this guy from Cuba who they don't say is a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's Owen right oh, there. Oh, look at his happy face. Um, Vince had never seen Scarface. What? So when he's doing Tony Montana, there's Razor. Razor is attacking Owen Hart. Because oh. he's got he's fighting Bret Hart at the Royal Rumble. Look at Owen's Zubas. Of course. I have my Zubas on right now. <laughs> yes, you do. I prepared. So Razor is uh he's attacking the family, you see. I see. Yes. But yeah, so Vince had never seen Scarface. So when Razor starts doing this like uh you know, hey yo. Oh, you better stop. I, he thinks the, it's original. He's like, Oh my god, that's great. You gotta keep doing that. It's awesome. My face. Is like OMG. He's so awesome, Razor. He would come to the ring and he'd, he'd wear the gold chains all the way until the bell rang, and then he'd take the gold chains off and he'd hand them to the ringside attendant and he'd look at the ringside attendant and he goes, "Hey, Chico, something happened to the goal. Something gonna happen to you." Oh, <laughs> every time. And then he and he and he'd like perfect, like he he he'd hold his toothpick between. His his middle finger and his thumb like this, so he's yeah. making like an O. See, and then he'd almost flick it. He'd flick it, so it wouldn't just be between the pointer finger and the thumb and a throw. Right. It would be a flick, and so he'd it flick just, it onto someone. Yeah, he'd flick it right at somebody. So it was almost it was more than just I throwing at you. I'm flicking it at you, almost as if to say like this is my garbage. Yeah. There's the headlock on hunger. They were uh, raising money for Somalia. I 
love that. Yeah, the headlock on hunger. Uh, I really like that. The headlock on hunger. That's right. Charitable. Uh, WWE now, has always done stuff with charity. Always, it seems. Mm-hmm. That's really great. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's interesting. I would love to know what, what kind of, you know, what makes it that a tenement of WWE? Like, what about Vince? Makes yeah, if there's something, like, like in him, then, yeah. yeah. There's Tatanka. He's talking, he's talking about the native spirits. How about that backdrop? Does that scream 1993 or what? Oh, my gosh. We could take our school photos. <laughs> there should just be some laser beams and stuff yeah, around it. Yeah, I need to do a side braid. And Tatanka holding his cat. And wear a vest. Yay! <laughs> okay, so who do we have coming down? Oh, that's Max Moon. I was wondering, look at him. His, his, his wristbands are malfunctioning. Did, oh, did you notice there was, there was fire coming out of one sparks. of them? Yeah, I think that malfunctioned a little bit. But um, I love the streamers. But there's so Max Moon. This was towards the end. Max Moon would not last very much longer. Oh, he's all taped up. Than this, no, that's not tape. Cirque du Soleil. No, he's a man from the future. He's a future man. Yes, um, I see it. So Max Moon, like the whole suit was invented when he first comes he looks out. Like he's like Flubber. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe he doesn't fit in the suit as well as he could. But <laughs> or you you know those like puffy foam toys? Yes. Yes. That's... Oh, and who do we have here? Oh. The Art Is that really? Kid. He's such a baby. Shawn Michaels. Does he look like a kid or is it just me? Of course he does. This is 93. This is, you know, 25 plus years ago. I can do that pose. Well, yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> there he is. HBK taking out his... Look at those. I mean, you talk smart. about... You talk about those earrings. Smart. Wardrobe budget. Look at Max well, Moon and Shawn Michaels. Don't they all buy their own wardrobes? Max Moon wouldn't have because... Max Moon's suit was part of this gimmick. So, like, Max Moon had those things that shot out of his wrists. And uh, when he first showed up, he had little jet packs to make it look like he was getting... He was flying up the stairs. Yeah. When in actuality, he was just jumping from stair to stair. I love that. But Steam would come out... I mean, a huge investment was put into Max Moon, who was supposed to be played by Conan, the, oh, uh, really? the Mexican wrestler. Uh, Conan wasn't able to do it. I don't remember why. And so they just had this guy, Paul Diamond, who fit the suit. And they were like, all right, you can be Max Moon. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It was like, they. It, it's just so funny the way that stuff works out sometimes. Yeah. Like, they wanted to sign Conan. And that's why he had those braids, because Conan in Mexico had braids like that. Oh. So they wanted to sign Conan, because he was such a big star over there. And then they came up with this gimmick for him. They were like, we're going to make this big star even bigger by giving him the Max excited, Moon gimmick. And they were like, and we already made you the suit, Conan. Right. And then, well, yeah, I mean, Conan tried it on and everything. It was it was good to oh. go. And then when it didn't happen, I think you forget sometimes that you wanted Conan because you fell in love with the Max Moon gimmick. With the concept. So you yeah. were like, we, we, who cares about Conan? We just need a Max Moon. Right. <laughs> so this is what we're at. You can see already, like, one of the knee pads is lower than the other one. That's oh, how boy. you know it's like the detail is starting to slip. You see yeah. you see how his knee pads aren't exactly yeah. on his knees? Then you realize they're not futuristic. They're just knee pads. <laughs> <laughs> and there's yeah. Sean. Who and would... also awful color choices. I mean, it just... The turquoise? Yeah, it's just really hard to take him seriously when he's dressed in pink and turquoise. Well, this is what the future will look like. You know, I like those colors. We, we just haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. Max Moon was from very, very far into the future. When I was in high school, I painted my room turquoise. See? You understand. Oh, yeah. That's who he's trying to appeal to. Yeah. I get it. I mean, he was... 16-year-old girls. Wow. Yeah, but still, 16-year-old girls in 90... Well, when you were in high school, in 98, 99? Yep. Who, this was 93. Who have a little bit of, like, a allowance to spend on a t-shirt? Is that the goal? Are they selling merch at this point? Oh, of course. 
Not like they are now quite much, but yes, definitely. It wasn't you can a see major those, part of the industry. You can see those raw t-shirts all over. I'm looking. You see, oh, like in the him. front row, you yeah. see that guy wearing one. Raw will continue as they go to commercial break. And you got to stay tuned to Oops. find out, you know, who's going to win in this uh, this battle between Max Moon and the Intercontinental Champion, Shawn Michaels. Isn't it amazing, though? You can see, like, can you imagine a time where it's Monday Night Raw and it's just that sort of plain, plasticky ring apron? No. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like... It's, it, it shows you, as high as the production value is for this show, yeah. how primitive it is compared right. to what they are and would be. And Well, but but let, let me ask you this. They did fabric ring aprons until when? Well, they still do on two sides of the ring. Yeah. You know, they actually, uh, those LED ring aprons, they were introduced in NXT. It, yeah, like not very long ago. And then, yeah, very, very recently. But yeah. I mean that to say that they've always had, you know, for decades now, when they had fabric ring aprons, it was branded. Like, that's oh, not even fabric. That's like a plastic garbage gosh. bag. It's just blue. I totally get it. Right. That's crazy. Right. I'm not saying, I'm not saying as compared to an LED screen, I'm saying like that is just a plastic sheet oh, covering yeah. the side of the ring. Yeah. Like that's. And I bet when they realized that they should be branding it, they were like, oh. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Like years and years of thinking. Doink. He's. He's being quite a distraction, but you could see how much money they're putting into this thing. They really want to get Doink over. Sean giving it, taking a second, and so much TV time for this guy to look at himself. Although I love that Sean is like fixing his hair in the camera lens, and it's like it's not a mirror. Uh. We can see you; it's a camera lens. <laughs> Does the audience at home know that? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's just our camera mirror yeah. inside. Roll up. I really like uh, um, HBK's pants. The way he would do the uh, the patchy leopard print. Yeah, I really like him. Yeah, with the hearts. So up until this point, this was exciting because I always paid attention to the outfits. Yeah. Up until this point, he usually wore white zebra with red and black zebra splotches. Oh, okay. And this was like the first time I remember him wearing red and black zebra with white and black zebra splotches. That was a big deal for me because yeah. it made me be like, oh, are they going to make a new toy? Oh, are they going to? Oh, you know. yeah, yeah. So how often are toys coming out? This At this point, I yeah. mean, not often. Not often. No. So you really looked forward to them. I mean, if you and you were slower in. Yeah, I mean, they would come out with like uh, a set of five every season or so. Set of between five and eight every season. Wow. Yeah, and it would what take a major it would difference. take a good year and a half before anything got produced of anyone. Oh wow! Like I mean, guys would literally be out of the company before their figures came out, and that still happens. A little, but not really. You don't think so? Here and there. Okay. You know. Yeah. Things go a lot quicker now. I mean, this is before scanning. This is before any of that stuff. Yeah. Oh, boy. It's Roll kind of up. a long match. What do you think of this match? Well, I think that the purpose of this match, they wanted to put they wanted to put Sean on because they wanted it to be a good wrestling match. They wanted to put Max Moon on because they want to they show... The spectacular. Yeah, exactly. They spent so much money on the <gasps> stupid suit. But they want to show their spectacular characters. And I think that... The purpose of this is to say, you know, on the syndicated shows that I was talking about, it would be pretty much all jobber matches. And this is to say, look, we started with Yokozuna versus Coco Beware. Maybe you knew who was going to win, but Coco's not a jobber. We did have a jobber match with the Steiners. But this is to say we're going to have real matches between 
big superstars. I see. Like, we're going to have a legitimate bad guy versus a legitimate good guy. There's no story of this match, except it's a good guy versus a bad guy. Mm -hmm. But in 93, it's kind of a big deal on WWE TV to have a name good guy versus a name bad guy. It doesn't happen that often. So that's that's the purpose. And they, I, I think that they were, they, they just wanted to show good wrestling between a couple of characters. Like they wanted to show, okay, on this Monday Night Raw show, we're going to do matches that last a couple segments. We're going to, it's not just going to be boom, 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 you know? Yeah. Like it's going to be special. Yeah, I get that. It shows some real boom. diversity. Over the top rope. So the Manhattan Center probably fit like, I don't know, three, four hundred, maybe? That's it. That's it. You were there. Didn't you go and see TNA with me at the Manhattan Center? I've seen a lot of stuff with you at the Manhattan Center. No, no, no. Not at the Manhattan Center proper. You may have seen stuff with me at the Hammerstein. Okay. The Manhattan Center is the tiny room above the Hammerstein. You might have seen a TNA show with me there, maybe. Okay. But they don't run a lot of wrestling shows there because it's very you didn't expensive. See ROH there? No, we saw it at the Hammerstein downstairs in the oh. big room. Yeah. Oh. No, this isn't the big room. Oh. That room, that yeah, RO, uh, Hammerstein can fit like 2,500, 3,000, something like that. This is the same building, mm -hmm. but this is above that. Didn't you do an interview in like a broom closet? That was the Hammerstein, though. Oh. Yeah, that was with Sweet and Sour Larry Sweeney. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and there you go. Okay, see, this is interesting. That's the super kick. But at this point, this is Sean's setup move. Oh. The super kick is not his finisher. It Somebody can... at, at one point came to him and said, like, he doing that setup move. Like, that's the best move. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, his finisher was that. It, it's like, this, this is his finisher. This, like, weird scoop suplex. Mm -hmm. One, two, he got him. People like the kick much better. Well, of course, the super much kick. Much more impact. Well, it's just like, you can do it to anybody. It's iconic. Like, you get that it's a finisher. It just, you know, you stomp on the ground, and then, boom, kick him in the chin, knock him out. It looks cool. Did he switch it up? Of course. The super kick is, yeah, it's iconic. Oh, awesome. <laughs> oh, good for that him. That worked out. Yeah, it worked out just <laughs> terrific. Just terrific. So there you, you like him uh, fixing his hair there in the in the in the championship. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that. I love all that vamping. What are we watching? <laughs> this is a commercial, I believe, for WWF Mania. Oh, yeah, that was their show every Saturday at 10 a.m. Oh my gosh, these parents are asleep until 10 a.m. on a Saturday. I woke up at like 10:30 yesterday. Yeah, that's because I, it's my gift to you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, this was WWF Mania. Um, Oh, the parents can handle it? Love it. 100% caffeine-free. Every Saturday at 10 a.m. I used to watch that every single Saturday. Every how many, Saturday. How, was it one hour? It was one hour. It was a clip show for the most part. They uh, shot it in Where did you Stanford. watch it? In the kitchen? In the living room? Uh, No, in the playroom. With your brother? Sometimes. Sometimes not. How fun. The Royal Rumble Report. There's Mean Gene Okerlund. See, he's getting all psyched up. Because, again, only 24 hours removed. Being brought to you by Ico Pro. You've got to want it. Ico Pro was uh, the WWE's nutrition supplements. Oh. Apparently. They were hawking their own goods? They were. That's why there's a big Ico Pro flag in oh, the Manhattan gosh. Center. Um, but apparently it was gross. I never obviously had any. But it's something as a kid. Okay, so there you go. Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels meeting at the Royal Rumble. That, okay. That's a big one. This was after the Rockers broke up. Sensational Sherry's going to be there. What's wrong with Sensational Sherry's face? That's makeup. 
But we don't know which side Sensational Sherry will be on. She got left by Sean. Oh, there's, I see. There's Sean. More TV time for Sean, huh? Yeah. Good for him. Doink and Sean are like totally monopolizing the show. Although this was still when Sean was not being looked at as potential for WWE champion. Are you serious? Mm-mm. Because he's small. I mean, this is still, you know, the goal is let's get the title on Yokozuna and then he can lose it to Hulk Hogan. You know, it's still, wow. let's get some giants out there. But I'm really glad they don't think that way anymore. Uh, yeah, I mean, they I don't. It's limiting. They don't, and it is limiting, but they, they do, you know. Who's this guy? That's Marty Jannetty. That's his uh, former hey. tag team partner. Marty Jannetty. That's a rap lyric. Hit you with the dropkick, Marty Jannetty. Yeah, he does the dropkick. Bam Bam Baklava. Action Bronson. Yeah. Yeah. So Marty Jannetty, uh, he got kicked through the barbershop window by Shawn Michaels. Technically, he just got kicked and knocked out, and then Shawn threw him through the barbershop window. But that's, like, synonymous now. Whenever somebody turns heel or a tag team breaks up or in life, when somebody does you wrong, they kick you through the barbershop window. Is that really a saying? Yeah, because... I'm going to say that all the time. You should. Oh, yeah. Kicked him right through the barbershop window. When hey, you get babe, betrayed... how was your day? Got uh, kicked through the barbershop window today. did babe. it again. They kicked me through the barbershop window again. I'm going to use that all the time. You should. I Nature Boy Ric Flair is going to be in the Rumble. Yeah, because, I mean, that's the most famous Tatanka. That's the most famous uh, tag team split up ever. IRS, Erwin R. Scheister. Bob Backlund. That's Love before he was crazy. Bob Backlund. Yep. Jerry the King Lawler. Look, Look at, at him. All these baby faces. Mr. Perfect. This is his second run, I believe. Mr. Perfect. These are great. Yeah, he he's another one. Banana yellow singlet. He came back in 1992 uh, to full-time competition. Look at that happy face. WWE was kind of in a rebuilding period in 1992. They lose the Ultimate Warrior. They lose Hulk Hogan. They're about to, they, their macho man is not actively competing anymore. So they're trying to rebuild around guys like Bret Hart and Yokozuna and even Mr. Perfect and Razor Ramon and people like that. But it's tough goings, and it would be for a few years. Yeah, it, see, it, seems, like, man. it seems like the WWF at that point really Crush. does not know its... Um, Rick Martel. It's major characters to Yoko push. Yokozuna. Well, they're they're starting from scratch. The personalities that they need to dig into. Yeah, to some extent they're starting from scratch. And it's also like this, this cross-positioning where on one end you've got kind of over-the-top cartoon characters, right? Yeah. But on the other end you have the raw girls in their bathing suits. So they're trying to really get a pulse of what the audience is looking for. And it would take a good three, four years almost for them to really figure it out. And once they did, whew, off to the races. I was going to say the same thing. But this is definitely sort of macho man, the top of the transitional period between that 80s Hulkamania boom. There's Papa Shango, loved him. Earthquake, Berserker, Undertaker, Carlos Colon from Puerto Rico. But this is like the transition between two boom periods. I believe that's Tenaru from Japan. Tito Santana, El Matador. This is who's going to be in the Royal Rumble? Typhoon, yep. They were bringing in some talent from outside. That's Samu of the Head Shrinkers. That's Fatu of the Head Shrinkers, who had gone to be Rikishi. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Ho! That was his catchphrase. Huh. There he is, Hacksaw. He's like a perennial guy. Like, he was always around... He would end up leaving. You saw him on a WCW pay-per-view that we did a show like this for. But, um, yeah, he had, he won the first Royal Rumble in 1988. Like he, had, But but he kind of hit a point as a good guy and just stayed there. You know what oh, I mean? Just yeah. never... Always a bridesmaid. 
Yeah. Never the bride. Oh. That's Hacksaw Jim Duggan's story. Oh. Even Mean Gene is looking young there. Oh, yeah, he is. And, and so tame. He's already a legend at this point, but... Yeah. But he's looking young. Of course, winner to meet the WWF champion at WrestleMania 9. So 1993 was the first year that the Royal Rumble did that. That that was the prize for the match, and now it's tradition. Bret Hart and Razor Ramon, of course, going to be competing for the WWE Championship. Yeah, this that was the first... They say winner to meet the champion? Yeah. Meet, what does that mean? In fisticuffs. Oh, okay. Winner will challenge for the WWF Championship. Winner oh. to meet the champion at WrestleMania in a, in a sanctioned championship match. Okay. Just, you know, they only got that little silver box. How many words do you want them to put on I it? I thought it was for a fan. What? No. <laughs> you can't meet the champion. No, you, the fans can't. Yeah. I would love to meet the champion. Look, we're back outside. Sean Mooney is back outside the Manhattan Center. You thought fans could just... Oh boy! You and might... the winner of something would meet the champion. I was like, "Let's play." Do you know who that is? Of course. That's Rob Bartlett's rabbi. Oh. <laughs> you see his uh, what are those called? The payas? Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> this is Bobby dressed as Rob Bartlett's rabbi, and he's doing a uh, stereotypical uh, Jewish accent. Oh, terrific! Right. Well, right. we're in New York. Well, of course, we are. Oh my goodness! Right. Look at everybody in the crowd just oh. loves it. He almost oh jeez. He said, "I'm sorry, couldn't." Bobby hear you. Heenan, Bobby the Brain. He just wants to be let inside. He does. He's 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 so upset that Rob Bartlett took his gig. I don't know who all these people are lined I up. The show's almost up. over. All American Wrestling, of course, uh, hosted by Gene Okerlund and Bobby Heenan. That was the Sunday show that was on. You know, they said it right there at noon on USA. But that would come on, like, after the Sunday morning show would be Wrestling Challenge on Fox in New York, on Fox 5. And that would be on from, like, 10 to 11. Either 10 to 11 or 11 to 12. And then at noon, you would turn over and watch All American on USA. It was great. Weekend weekend mornings were great. That's when, like, before Raw, mm-hmm. Saturday morning, Sunday morning was the time for wrestling. Look you, at that hair. I know. It's, it looks awful. I have no words. It looks like a bird's nest of hair. <laughs> but yeah, Saturday Saturday morning, Sunday morning were the times for wrestling. What kind of cereal would you have when you watched? Whatever we had, I guess. I like Fruity Pebbles. I like Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I like Corn Pops. I like all of them. Do you have amazing memories of watching Saturday morning stuff and eating your cereal? It was the best. Like, oh. oh, boy. This is what I would watch. See, WWF Superstars this past weekend. This would be the Saturday morning show. And there's Kamala. Yeah, Kamala's uh, uh, paint always looks so cool to me. The Ugandan giant. He's from Uganda, Africa, so he has these handlers, Harvey Whippleman and Kimchi. And he don't know, he don't don't know what to like do. They don't seem like handlers. They well, seem like, this well, seems you, abusive. Well, that's what we're witnessing here. What the heck? Is this what he normally would experience? Uh, towards the end. Oh my gosh, they're treating him like he's not like human. Like he's an animal, right? This is bad. Wow. I don't like it. And here comes the Reverend Slick. What's he going to do? So Slick used to be like a, a the Jive Soul bro. And he would come. He literally did promos in a uh, fried chicken restaurant eating fried chicken out of a bucket. No comment. And he'd go like, uh, you know my man, my main man, the big boss man. He going to come to the ring. But Oof. now at this point, he's a reverend. And he's a reverend in real life. So now he's the Reverend Slick. And Kamala doesn't like that Harvey Whippleman and Kimchi just knocked out the Reverend because the Reverend was trying to Help. say like, hey, don't do this to Kamala. Uh-oh. 
Kamala, he's patting his belly. That's a bad sign for Does people. Does Kamala when he's... not talk? He goes like this. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm not kidding. I don't mean to come into this as an outsider Look, and be he... so appalled, but... <laughs> See, and he hits his belly as he runs. What? And he used to try... You know how when you pin somebody, they have to be flat on their back? Yeah. He used to. They used to be flat on their stomachs, and he would try to pin them, and he wouldn't understand. And his handlers would have to be like, roll him over. And he'd go... And they go, roll him over. And then he would finally roll him over and understand. Oh, terrific. <laughs> yeah. But that what you... I have a big frown on my face. I really dislike that concept. That that was... You com- should uh, touch the computer. That was Kamala's baby face turn. Oh. Because they were beating him up and, and beating him. And they turned speak? on him. No, no, no. No, he's going to go with the Reverend Slick to speak for him. Oh. Yeah. There's The Undertaker. Totally weird concept. The Undertaker is the main event for the first episode of Monday Did Night Raw. Did you like The Undertaker? He's the man. Mm-hmm. October, this is January of 93, October of 92, that was the outfit I wore for Halloween. Who is he related to? The Undertaker? Nobody. Death Valley. He's from Death Valley. No. Oh, oh. Kane. Oh, my God, Jess. <laughs> Get a hold of yourself. <laughs> yes, his brother is Kane. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> I thought his brother was, I thought he really was related to the He is. Here's his opponent for tonight, Damien Demento. So Jobber. No. So The Undertaker was... I've never heard of that. Well, he didn't have a great career, but The Undertaker was billed as from Death Valley, obviously. Damien Demento is from the outer reaches of your mind. So he's just a weirdo. Yeah. And so there he is. He's talking talking to the people above. Is he miked? No. Oh, so great. Good thing he's saying stuff. (laughs) Oh, Oh, solid right hand across the face of the Undertaker. There are so many oh. fringes in this era. I mean, I can't. Long even... hair and fringes, right? Oh, yeah. Just stuff hanging. I never liked the wet hair look. No? No, I, but you know, I know people liked it. It's badass. Yeah. There's the Undertaker. So the Undertaker at this point, you know, I mean, he's well established already. But really, he starts in November of 90. This is now January of 93. So it's only two years and change wow. that he's been a part of this but thing. But he's already really like. I mean, it's already clear that he's a that number as, one guy. Yeah, and as as wow, WWF, well, this is now it's called old school when he does this. Wait, what's wrong with these ropes? They're just a little looser, I think. Okay. But yeah, that was one of his uh, his signature moves is when he would grab the guy by the arm and walk the ropes. That's cool. Can he you do did that? that? Can I do that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He did that at WrestleMania this year against John Cena. He did? Although, Can I mean... Can you show me that at some point? I will. Yeah, if you want to do a, a captive audience for that match, it'll last all of uh, 90 seconds. Oh, good he, for them. He did like three moves and just, just yeah. squashed John Cena entirely. Yep. Uh, he shouldn't have to do anything more than that at this point. Just squash John Cena? No, just like do three moves to whoever he's Boom. performing against and I think win. The Undertaker maybe. Oh! And say thank you. Oh, he's sitting up. Wait, the lights didn't go down for him, his entrance. No, they didn't do lighting in this building at this time. Okay. It was too complicated, I think. Mm-hmm. Boom. I don't think, it doesn't seem like Damien Demento is on the same page as The Undertaker, I gotta be honest. <laughs> like, he's not really like, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of not, it's like having a bad improv partner, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can see, like, what they do there, you see the W, Tombstone, you see the WWF logo in the entranceway? Yeah. So throughout the night, it's been rainbow colored. 
And when the Undertaker's out there, there's just a single yellow outline of light around it. Otherwise, it's blacked out in the middle. Oh, and that's, that's cool. That's only for the if Undertaker. If you were there, that would be really fun. Yeah. And addition. I mean, you can see it. See, there's Paul Bearer. He's telling him to stop because he's still being guided by the power of the urn. Rest what? in peace. And I love that sign, that rest in peace sign, because it's like when printer paper was still... Oh, my still... gosh, yeah. So this is obviously a joke. Next week on Raw Steel Cage match between Woody Allen and Mia Farrow. Oh. But I'm like nine. Wow. I'm like nine years old at this point, and I'm like, are they really? Why are they doing that? I don't want to see that match. They would. Oh, that's very. <laughs> like, yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> they would never do commentary on what's going on in pop culture nowadays. No, they? they do commentary on pop culture. They wouldn't get overly. They don't get overly political, but they'll still do commentary on pop culture. Vince McMahon and Doink. Vince McMahon clearly really believed in this Doink character. And he should have, because when it was portrayed by this performer, as I said before, and when he was a villain, weren't many people that were better. So here comes Crush to the ring. Now, Crush and Doink do not get along, but this is before uh, this is before the, the, the rivalry really heated up. We would end up seeing a Crush-Doink match at WrestleMania a couple months later, but this is kind of just starting to plant the seeds. For I think what this would is go great. on between these two. This yeah. is the whole reason that they are on TV right now. Right. To start telling the stories. Right. Exactly right. Exactly right. So there he is. And of course. And what's wrong with Doink's arm? And we, we don't know. His arm's in a sling. Does Doink speak? Yes. He was just speaking a moment ago. Oh, he sprayed a he sprayed Crush with a water gun. Oh, man. Oh, he, he don't disrespect Crush. Oh, oh, he's running. He's running. Crush is such a 90s he's, name. He's running. Oh, 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 oh. Is he going to catch him? Do you think he's going to catch him? He's saying, get in the ring, Doink. Enough of this shenanigans. Doink is laughing was at him. Was there ever a mini Doink? Yeah, Dink. Yes. Dink. But that was later in Doink. I mean, the Doink and Dink period, was Doink was no longer a genius character. Oh. He, was just a, he was literally just a clown. <sighs> so you can see that the logo is still kind of blacked out for The Undertaker. Bobby Heenan is trying to get in the building. A lot going on. That's why it's cool. Like They're really utilizing the fact that it's a live show. It's a lot for 93. But this is how we end this oh, week's episode gosh, of that's Raw. It. That's it. Oh, guys, Bobby I'm gonna miss you. Is uh, is not allowed in the building. He's trying to get in now. What do you want to do going forward, Jess? And I'll, uh, I'll 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 hear from you guys too. I don't think we can we should go through every single episode of Raw because some of them are not worth providing a thing to. But if you guys out on Twitter, I love that idea. If you want to hear us do more stuff from episodes of TV shows, just because the pay-per-views have been done to death, uh, hit me up at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Do you have a preference, Jess? Me? Yeah. This, this was so fun, but it was so short. I almost feel like I'm missing out on, I don't know, communicating with the audience more. Right. I get you. I get yeah. you. Well, uh, yeah, we'll have plenty of time to do it as the show continues the, to roll on. This was really fun. I appreciate all you guys watching. And did you... Uh, is it, is it amazing? I mean, you'll watch Monday Night Raw this week. At least some of it. Yeah. Is it not amazing to see that that's, it's the same show? I, but that's yeah. what the show used to look like. But I still see a lot of that show in today's show. You do? Like what? Yeah, like the spirit of it uh -huh. and the excitement. And I think the storytelling, although, I mean, I couldn't hear it, but I think the storytelling is probably just the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, Jess, I appreciate you. You are now free. You are no longer a captive audience. I have to say, this was like the shortest ever. Well, yeah, I mean, that's not your opinion. That's You could just look at the time length on it. But yeah. <laughs> if you want me, I'll keep you longer next time. Maybe. Okay. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. 
Yes, State of Wrestling Time live from Montreal here in Canada, Just for Laughs Comedy Festival, and still, as much as everything is going on at this festival, there's a lot going on in the wrestling world, and it's all breaking all around us. There's so much to talk about this week. Uh, let's start off with story number five. You know how we do every week here in the State of Wrestling. We break down the top five stories according to yours truly, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts, in this world of pro wrestling, um, and let's talk about uh, the WWE Network update coming. Now, uh, I'm maybe by the time that you're hearing this, your network has already been updated, but uh, subscribers were sent out an email, I know I got mine, that said uh, over the course of the next few days, different devices would update at different times, but... The WWE Network would be updating across all of the different devices that it's available on um, and that it would be getting a bit of a facelift. So the search function will be better, the layout will be better, etc., etc., etc. It already, by the way, the WWE Network, I have an old, like an original, I don't know if it's an original, but I have an older Apple TV set up in my house in one of the rooms. The WWE Network already doesn't work on the older Apple TV. So there was a WWE Network update at some point that just kind of wiped it off for that platform. Like I would have to plug a fire stick or something into that TV or get a new Apple TV or whatever it is if I wanted to use that. But um, I, I, th- it has to be all related. I There's been long-standing rumors that at some point the WWE is going to add uh, whether it's um, live events like we're seeing with Smackville happening. Awesome concept. Not the greatest name in the world. Uh, whether it's other promotions like we saw with Evolve. Um, whether it's more pay-per-views. I mean, who knows what it's going to be. But there have been discussions of having tiered WWE Network subscriptions uh, plans for a long time that – the more you pay, the more you get. That maybe for nine ninety nine, you would still get access to all the pay per views. But if you also want access to all the pay per view libraries, now it's twelve ninety nine. Or if you also want to be able to watch live events once a week, once a month, whatever it is, it's nineteen ninety nine. You know, it, all speculative. I'm literally making up the prices as I go. I'm surprised. I'm, I'm sure that you're not exactly shocked by that fact. Listening to the numbers that are spewing out of my face, but. I I have to believe that this has something to do with that. That the reason that it's not working on older devices anymore is because something is happening with the technology of the WWE Network that it's evolving. You know, even if we don't see that this week, which we might not. You know, we might just see exactly what they're saying. We might just see the WWE Network get a facelift, which I think it's high time that it does get that facelift. But... I also really think that at some point the technology itself is going to start improving as well. Uh, WWE Network is such a good example of WWE staying on top of the technology and staying on top of delivery mechanisms for content and staying on top of kind of owning the distribution of their content. You know, I think it's great. There were lots of people... That thought that they were nuts. There's some people that still think they're nuts when the WWE Network first came out because of how much it's eating in and how much it eats in 
to the WWE's pay-per-view model. But I, I, I believe in the concept because not only do you now have a million plus, however many subscribers you have, uh, buying, committed to a $9.99 a month bill, you have that many viewers on the pay-per-view, you have your whole library being available to that many people, and I think that you're really, and, and that's part of why I guess you do something like a Legends Night, that you're really cashing in on your back catalog. That the WWE is embracing what the brand WWE has become over the last almost 40 years at this point, and that's part of what's on display with the $9.99 a month price tag. Um, you know, I, I would imagine if pricing goes up, people will still pay for it. You know, I, I don't know anybody that thinks that $9.99 a month was ever expensive for the amount of content that's being delivered by the WWE Network. I, I always thought that it was an extremely low price point. So, you know, I'm I'm interested in seeing, you know, you can't just up a price point of something like this without adding more value for what you're paying for. So I'm anxious in seeing if that, that if that is something the WWE is going to do or if they're just going to have, you know, a, a WWE network that looks cooler and is easier to navigate. E either way, I think that we as fans are the big, big winners. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, speaking of big winners, story number four, we're also winning because Dark Side of the Ring has extended its deal. The Viceland documentary series, Dark Side of the Ring, which uh, we had the creators, the producer, directors, the producer and the director of the show we had on the podcast uh, several weeks back. But they did season one. I think they did a set of, I think they did ten. It was either eight or ten wrestling documentaries. Um, I thought the Von Erichs one was great. I really enjoyed the Montreal Screwjob episode. I loved the Bruiser Brody episode. Um, what else was there? I, there? There were a whole bunch of really good episodes. Some stories that you've heard before that you were just hearing from different perspectives. Other stories that weren't really covered in documentaries like this before. Um, they haven't decided. They're, they've said it's a 10-episode it's a series. So we're getting 10 more Dark Side of the Ring shows. And I'm sure that we'll have the creators back on the podcast. Uh, all we know is that the subjects of the docs this season are going to include uh, Chris Benoit and Dino Bravo. Uh, the Dino Bravo one I'm really excited about because I feel like that's a story, for example, that is kind of folklore and people talk about it. But I don't remember seeing or reading the, the quintessential story of Dino Bravo, his rise to fame in wrestling, but also his untimely end. So, you know, I think that that one should be super interesting. I wonder how long it'll take, you know, because realistically, these guys are going out there and they're making 10 mini movies. Huge undertaking for anybody. So I do wonder how long the whole process will take. I know that they were working on a couple of these topics, like the Dino Bravo and the Benoit topics. I, I think that they were kind of out there as either potential topics or as docs that they may have actually started already before they even had a season two, just as something to have in the can. Uh, so maybe they've already got a head start on the thing. 
But I can't imagine that you're able to get 10 more episodes of these done before another year and a half or something like that. It seems like a, a ridiculous undertaking, but I'm, I mean, I'm excited for the content. As a wrestling fan, I'm excited that the content is going to be there for us uh, and that these stories are going to be told. I do feel like uh, the Dark Side of the Ring series, the season one series, did a really good job of not being, in my opinion, overly salacious to the point that they were just kind of trying to capitalize on negative stuff that had happened in wrestling. I don't think that wasn't the vibe that I got. I was ready to kind of be grossed out by the show, and I really wasn't. You know, I think that these stories that aren't the most positive stories in the world are really interesting stories to tell, but I think you can tell them in ways that are exploitive and in ways that ultimately are negative for wrestling. And as a wrestling fan, I almost don't want out there because it makes wrestling look bad. And I didn't feel that way when this season one came out. Um, you know, so so I think they did a good job with that. And I also think that they did a really good job of putting out a series that for the most part, non-wrestling fans could enjoy. That, look, as wrestling fans, we all, especially hardcore wrestling fans, we all struggle with trying to impress upon the people in our lives some of these stories that are so incredibly interesting to us. I mean, that's part of why we did a captive audience on today's show to kind of show you that, like, you know, for you and I, we could watch the first episode of Monday Night Raw any day of the week and just look at it and marvel and from 150,000 different angles talk about how significant and great and fun this whole thing is. But to a non-fan, you're going to watch that show and go, like, I don't, I don't even know what I'm watching. Like, this is, this is lame. So I think that the, the first series of Dark Side of the Ring documentaries did a very good job of putting on a show that you could play for somebody that may not be the biggest wrestling fan in the world. That they, they, they focused so much on the stories that they said, we've got 10 stories that take place within the wrestling world that we'd like to present to you, uh, story lovers, that anybody who enjoys a good, interesting story will enjoy. And I actually think Vice did a similar thing with the uh, the Wrestlers documentary series that was out not too long ago. They did an episode on deathmatch wrestling, and they did an episode on, on wrestling in the Congo, and they did an episode with MVP, and they did an episode with Evolve. You know, I think that they also... They just did, did a good job of making it all relatable. So whenever whenever anybody can make this stuff relatable and whenever anybody can really, you know, kind of bring it home, I like that. I think that that's awesome. So uh, I'm excited uh, to see what happens. I'm excited to find out what the 10 topics are going to be. Uh, and we definitely will. And we'll definitely talk about it here on the podcast. Story number three this week is... Uh, Kind of an onslaught, I wouldn't say an onslaught, but many new additions officially added to SummerSlam. The first is, I thought that the Charlotte promo was really good. I like Charlotte talking about what a joke it is that she's left off of SummerSlam. You know, reminding us how important she is to the division. Um, I think that, I mean, you know, you bring up Asuka, you definitely could. And I think that there should be uh, an Asuka-Kari Sane 
Iconics Women's Tag Team Championship match at SummerSlam. But it is ridiculous to not have Charlotte at SummerSlam, especially coming off of the controversy of Monday Night Raw with no women's matches being on the show at all. You know, we'll talk about Monday Night Raw, but the fact that Becky Lynch didn't have a more significant part of that show was uh, odd. It was it was weird to me watching it. Um, but Charlotte having a big match at SummerSlam, we don't know against who. There's lots of rumors. Could be a legend. Who knows? But I, I like this story of Charlotte saying she deserves to be on the show and she's going to try to steal the spotlight. Um, and even Ember Moon. You know, we talked last week about how I didn't really want to see Ember Moon and Bailey have this, like, battle of friends that respect each other. I like that Ember turned. I think walking into SummerSlam with a bad guy, Ember, and I don't think it was a full turn. You know, if you listen to the way the commentators covered the fact that Ember took out Bailey uh, after she took out Charlotte, um, I, I don't, I, I, it didn't feel like, oh my God, Ember Moon has turned on Bailey. It was more just, hey, Ember Moon has a championship match against Bailey. Ember Moon is going to take advantage uh, of the position that she's in. Um, I wouldn't have minded if it was a full-on turn. You know, I think it would have been good for Ember Moon, and I think it would have definitely added interest into that character. But regardless, uh, any kind of turn, just the fact that Ember Moon is valuing the SmackDown Women's Championship over her friendship with Bailey, I think is a step in the right direction. Uh, so you have that. You have uh, the Charlotte match, and you have oh, you have Kofi Kingston versus Randy Orton being official, and it was exactly what I hoped it would be. It was exactly what we talked about last week on the podcast. I was really happy to see that we're we're going back in time. You know, there was something weird. I was I was watching it, the promo between Randy Orton and and Kofi Kingston, and. Randy Orton admitting that he held Kofi Kingston back using his influence. It was like, I know that we're watching storyline here, and I know that we're watching the promotion for a pay-per-view WWE championship match, but there is something about seeing Kofi Kingston in that ring, saying something that we as fans believe to be true, not storyline, and that it feels like Kofi Kingston would believe to be True, a true fact being incorporated in, into the storyline. And to hear Randy Orton say, yes, I did use my influence to hold you down. You go, and this is obviously what the intent was, but you go, yeah, it's part of the storyline, but that's really true. And he just admitted to it. It's almost like you could say all's well that ends well. You know, it's all good because Kofi Kingston is the champion now, so everything's fine. But realistically... Can you imagine being Kofi Kingston and standing across from Randy Orton and talking about this thing that shouldn't be that big of a deal now because Kofi Kingston is the WWE champion, but realistically, something that held his career back for years? And hearing Randy Orton, in character, admit to the fact that he's responsible for it, but really realize that while we're doing everything in character and storyline, we're not doing everything in character and storyline because everything that's in character and storyline is based on things that actually happened in real life. You know? Like, I'm going, how in the world does Kofi hold himself back? How in the world does Kofi sit there and go, yep, 
we're following the storyline here. This is how we build up to the match at SummerSlam and not sit there and look at this guy and go, you bastard. Like, you did this for real, for real. You didn't just sit there. This isn't something where we're, where we're taking history and we're kind of uh, morphing it and utilizing it to for our own benefit, you know? This is something where you are taking the truth and turning it into a story. And that truth cost me years. That truth set my career back years. And I interviewed Kofi Kingston right before WrestleMania, and he talked about how he's always kind of just stayed positive. He's always kind of just pushed ahead and pushed ahead and pushed ahead. But when you're in a position now that you've wanted to be in for all those years— and you have a guy who's in the ring and storyline saying, yeah, the reason you didn't get pushed ahead was because I held you back. And you know or you think that while you're saying it in storyline, it's pretty factually accurate. I don't know how Kofi just sits there and goes like, it's cool. We're telling the story now. We're, at least we're using it as a story and not, you son of a bitch, give me my years back. How could you do this to me? You know, so I think that there is so much meat on the bone of that story. And I say this all as a positive because I'm now looking at these two, a guy who's seen every match at every SummerSlam, a guy who's been watching WWE for decade after decade after decade. I'm 35. That's three decades. It adds up. I'm watching and I'm going, this is for real. I'm thinking to myself, when I look at, at my career, who are the people that could have helped me out when I was younger? Who are the people that hindered me when I was younger? We've all got those people, regardless of what career we're in. There's always people in your career that you're like, if, if it wasn't for that dude in middle management, if it wasn't for that supervisor, if it wasn't for that this guy, I would have gotten that promotion. I would have been ahead in the company. I would have this. I would have that. And if it's true, and years later you're face-to-face -face with the guy, and it's like, yeah, now we're just telling a good story where we're going we're gonna, to – where I'm in the position that I always wanted to be in. But it took me 11 years. You know, that's a lot. That's a lot. It's a weighty, weighty story, and I love that it's being told. So you have that match at SummerSlam, and then, of course, Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon. Um, I think great. I think that's the – story where everything was going. I do wonder, I guess that we're headed towards a Dolph Ziggler-Miz match. But, you know, it's interesting, and this is why it's so weird, and we'll talk about this, utilizing legends, that as we were watching the segment with Dolph Ziggler and The Miz and Shawn Michaels, when The Miz was putting himself between Shawn Michaels and Dolph Ziggler, you almost got the feeling of, why doesn't The Miz just let them fight? You know, we've watched The Miz lose to everybody. We've watched The Miz lose to Shane McMahon over and over again. We've watched The Miz doesn't win matches now that he's, you know, concentrating on, on his family and the fans and this guy and that guy. So why don't we get to see this dream match of Shawn Michaels versus Dolph Ziggler? Why is The Miz getting involved? You know, The Miz is still... Getting cheers is a good guy, and it's still working, and everything's still good and everything. It's just, uh, 
it's a difficult scenario for anybody, Miz included, to outshine Shawn Michaels in that position. But I would imagine we're headed towards a Dolph Ziggler Miz match, the the Battle of the Cleveland Bad Boys at SummerSlam, and then yes, uh, Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon, which I, I think is where all this is headed. And I would hope and imagine based on the fact that part of this storyline has been that uh, that Shane McMahon is on TV too much, that after the Shane McMahon-Kevin Owens match, then maybe we will see less of Shane McMahon. Unless this story is going to continue beyond SummerSlam, that maybe that is the time that uh, we look at, at Shane and not that we say goodbye to him, that he becomes less of a fixture on TV as Kevin Owens moves forward. Story number two this week, uh, AEW makes it official. Uh, AEW, I don't think, shocked a lot of people. I think this was the heavy, heavy rumor. But they're going to be on Wednesday nights. You know, it's really weird. AEW put out a press release, and they keep saying live wrestling matches. They're not saying a live wrestling show. I don't know if that's because they want to make sure everybody realizes that the matches will be live. It's just it's, it's a weird way of saying it. You know, I don't know if they're going to have studio stuff going on. I don't know why they keep saying live wrestling matches every week on TNT instead of just saying a live wrestling show every week on TNT. It's weird. I, I just, I, you know, maybe it means nothing. It's just not something that I'm used to seeing. Um, but it's going to go down, I believe, October 2nd, unless I'm wrong. I want to say October 2nd is when it all happens. The first show is going to be from Washington, D.C. And this is where it gets interesting because, um, you know, because they're going to be going touring, traveling. Not only are they going to be on live TV every week, but they're going to be traveling every week to a different arena. This one is going to be in Washington, D.C. Um, at whatever, you know, the arena is called there. Uh, it's going to be, see, this is the way they say it. The new Professional Wrestling League, All Elite Wrestling, will begin airing its two-hour weekly matches on TNT instead of its two-hour weekly show. Really odd. Um, it'll be from the Capital One Arena, um, and it'll be Wednesday, October 2nd, live from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. So I don't I don't know if that uh, – we're either I don't remember when the first SmackDown on Fox is going to be, but assuming it correlates to the same week, because at first I was like, okay, our wrestling week is going to look like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then NXT is still on Wednesday. You got 205 Live to catch up on. You got a whole bunch of stuff. But I think, I think that SmackDown moving to Friday, ultimately we're looking at our big wrestling shows being Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Now, I do wonder, you know, I think, I would think that because NXT is available on the WWE Network on demand immediately after it's over, so you can literally watch it any time, that it wouldn't be severe competition to AEW. And of course, you know, so many more people have TNT than have the WWE Network. Um, you know, I, I, it's, not, it's not a real competitive thing. But I do wonder if there are people that... They've gotten used to it. I know a lot of people, you know, I go into the Discord room that all the not-Sam shills populate, and uh, a lot of people watch NXT Live every Wednesday. That's part of their routine. So I wonder if there are people who won't break it. You know, NXT is a great show every week. 
takeover pay-per-views are the best wrestling shows in the world every single time. There's no wrestling promotion putting out better shows than the takeover shows. So I wonder if NXT will be a competition. I think at the very least, if AEW doesn't start putting out great shows immediately, there is other wrestling on for people to turn on immediately. So the Wednesday Night Wars could become... A mini-war. You know, I don't think a real war, but a mini-war. We could have something going on with that. Um, And other than that, I mean, I think Wednesday is probably the best timing for it because ideally you want to be able to get as many people watching the show as possible. AEW doesn't want to position themselves, I guess, in a space where they could just kind of get half of Raw's audience instead of saying, like, hey, wrestling fans – all of you, plus whoever else we can get that's brand new, turn on TNT on Wednesday. And let's make it Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, so, yeah, so it's official. I don't know if it's called Wednesday Night Dynamite for sure, but I do know that AEW's first TV show will be live from Washington, D.C. on TNT October 2nd at 8 p.m. Story number one this week was WWE's number one TV show this week was the Raw Reunion. Ratings went up for it. People were excited. Um... And it's important to get the ratings up. You know, it's hard to say that it wasn't a successful show. However, I got to tell you, I wasn't thrilled with it. I am the biggest Stone Cold Steve Austin fan in the world. I love Stone Cold. I think Stone Cold Steve Austin is the greatest superstar, the greatest wrestler of all time. You know, I think that anybody who puts up a Mount Rushmore that does not have Steve Austin on it, I don't even want to hear the discussion. I think he's the best. You know, I think that that list includes Hogan, Flair, The Rock, Dusty, Undertaker. There's plenty of people to talk about. You could even talk about having John Cena on that list, quite frankly. Uh, But Austin's at the top every time. All that said, if the WWE did a Legends Night, when Austin was running Raw, when Austin was the top superstar on Raw, Austin would lay out every legend that was there and let them know this was not their time anymore. To look in that ring, the final segment, the Steve Austin segment, the toast to Monday Night Raw, to watch it actually just be a toast and to see all those great legends. On one hand, it's great. You see Stone Cold. You see, uh, you know, our friend Mark Henry. You see Medusa. You see all the legends in there. It's great. However... Nobody in that ring is going to be on Raw next week. Nobody in that ring was on Raw the week before. It made it look like the WWE's top superstars of all time were in that ring. And there wasn't one member of the current roster in there. You know? To watch the w, the, the person who is facing Brock Lesnar the former Universal Champion, the man who could win the Universal title back at SummerSlam, Seth Rollins, to see him get defended by DX and the NWO when, like, you know, let's be honest. Again, I love all these guys. X-Pac, great friend of mine. Shawn Michaels and Triple H. I'll watch anything that they do. Road Dog sounds like a million bucks. Awesome dude. Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, two of the greatest legends of all time. I will watch Outsiders footage forever. I will watch Diesel and Razor Ramon footage 
forever. But I don't want my champion in 2019 being defended by Diesel and Razor Ramon. And I certainly don't want Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, and AJ Styles with steel chairs running away from DX and the Outsiders in 2019. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I don't think it makes anybody look good. It didn't make Seth Rollins look good. It didn't make the club or, or the OC look good. I didn't think it made anybody look good. You know, I mean, what's more important, selling retro DX t-shirts or convincing everybody that, yeah, DX was cool, Austin was the man, even The Rock was cool, but look at the superstars that we have today. That, I I, want to see that as the message, you know? If you want to incorporate it, have AJ Styles take out X-Pac. Have the OC, have Gallows and Anderson take out Hall and Nash. You don't have to do much to them. I get, you know, they don't have to take giant bumps or anything. Just knock them down and have Seth Rollins come in with a chair to save them. Then you've got Seth saving the legends and you've got AJ and Gallows and Anderson running away from Seth because we all know that if we're up to the legends, Versus AJ and Gallows and Anderson. AJ and Gallows and Anderson are going to mop the floor with them. You know, I like the interaction that Drew McIntyre had. When he just looked at him and he went, legends, and rolled his eyes. The Bray Wyatt segment was perfect. With Mick Foley taking the mandible claw from the fiend, Bray Wyatt. Oh, and we should have talked about it in the last story, but the fiend versus Finn Balor. Great match for SummerSlam. Great introduction of the Fiend character inside the ring. But why is Mick Foley the only guy that's putting somebody over in any real way at that Raw reunion show? You know, why is why is Mick Foley the only guy doing that? Why can't, why couldn't Becky Lynch have come out during that toast and say, Steve... I appreciate everything that you've done. Because everybody, are, you know, for a year has been comparing her to Steve Austin. Why can't Becky Lynch come out and say, Steve, I appreciate everything that you've done. But I'm going to need you to step aside. Because this toast is going to be led by the champ. This toast is going to be led by the man. And let Becky Lynch toast raw. Let Seth Rollins look on proud of her. You know, let Roman Reigns come in the ring and high-five Becky Lynch. Let the legends stand back, including the Hurricanes, stand back. Let the legends stand back and bring in the superstars of today. Let the superstars of today toast the legends and toast the fans. I don't mind legends being honored. But at this stage of my life, as a fan... I want to see the current roster get their what, what, what they deserve. Remember when Seth Rollins was on the cover of the 2K video games? Remember he was going off and saying, this is our time. You know, I'm in the company, and I see Stone Cold on the cover of these video games. I see The Rock on the cover of these video games. Those They're great, but these guys aren't here every week. Our guys should be on the front of these video games. That's not the Seth Rollins we saw on Monday. Let Becky, Seth... Roman, let these guys throw Finn Balor in the ring, you know? 
Let the New Day come out and be a part of it. Let Kevin Owens come out after Becky does and after and stare down. I mean, you got the wild card rule. You might as well bring out as many baby faces as you can. But let the current guys come in. Let the legends stand back in the ring and watch as the current guys toast the fans and toast to Raw and make this announcement that Raw has been on the air for over 25 years. And tonight, we're not toasting the last 25. We're toasting the next 25. You know? I didn't need to see the Revival, for instance, come out and and have Devon at their side. How great would it have been if the Revival had won that match by, you know, knocking out Rikishi. Devon looks at them like, what the hell are you guys doing? The Usos go to check on their dad. The Revival roll up the Usos. And then the Revival lay out Devon too. Why not? Why not have a moment like that? Where the Revival are just these villains. Like, we were happy to see Devon. We were happy to see Rikishi. That's the thing. Like, it's okay to be happy to see these legends. But if we're happy to see these legends, let's utilize that. And let's make you really hate some of these bad guys. And let's see the legends showing some reverence to the new guys. Let's see the legends kind of knowing, man, it was fun when it was my time, but I can't hang with Roman Reigns. I can't hang with Seth Rollins. You know, I it was cool, fun. It was great seeing John Cena, and it was fun seeing the John Cena Usos back and forth, and it was, you know, seeing John Cena show respect to the Usos definitely shines a good spotlight on the Usos. But I would have loved to see a stare down between John Cena and Roman Reigns where John Cena kind of acknowledges, yeah, this is your yard, not mine. Yeah, you beat me, dude. This is, this, is your, this is your space, not my space. Thank you for allowing me to be a guest here. You know, it was almost like the legends were there to say it's really cool that these new superstars are occupying our space as opposed to the superstars of today saying, hey, legends, we'd like to invite you back to Raw to show you how we do things. Because it's our show today, not yours. That's what I would have loved to see in the Raw reunion, personally. Hey, thank you all for listening this week uh, to Not Sam Wrestling. Uh, live from Montreal. When I say live, I mean taped in a hotel room in the Montreal. Uh, again, sorry, no new interview for you this week. We will have a new one next week for you. I can promise you that. But we got to keep moving. A lot going on in the world of the last professional broadcaster, but I will make sure that Not Sam Wrestling comes with us every step of the way. Uh, we'll see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. 
Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.